a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So here we have the the promise of the virgin birth already. And, and now it says that he, this promised seed, shall bruise you, the serpent, on the head. So this, and you will bruise him on the heel. So uh, this is talking about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. So this is the first gospel. What in the world? The Lord's Supper is to help rediscover your innate goodness? Holy smokes. That's like saying that glasses are to make sure you can't see. It's like saying your shoes are there to make sure you can't walk. It's like saying it's like saying a boat is there so that you sink to the bottom of the ocean. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. Councilman Darren Layton. Thank you, Mayor. On balance, I think as far as whether we do it on the 6th or the 12th, it matters about as much as my collection of Table Talk radio points. Another episode of excellence in Christian journalism right to you for those who care for the lost. Oh, oh this is this is a special edition because we finally have, you know, scraped together our pennies and hired a high-powered, super-expensive church growth consultant to answer all our church growth questions. Right here on the air, too. I mean, right here At on Table Talk Mission Radio. Vision 1962, the world-famous... At least that's what his curricula vitae that he sent us said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so something to look forward to this time in uh, Table Talk Radio. Yep. Um, also, we're going to play... Now, what's what's with you combining games that don't need to be combined? But Super game. Unnecessarily uh, super game. <laughs> Bible Bee and Table Talk Jeopardy somehow yeah. is... Uh, I think this is just your attempt to make everything into the form of a, of a question. I like that idea. So... What is... I like that idea. Uh, a dumb idea. Oh. Um, so we're going to do that with uh, the penitential psalms and... Uh, Texts from the Passion. This right. is a totally Lenten theme, so uh, this will be exciting. It'll yeah. be good. Oh, yeah. And then, um, let's see, some buzzwords and, and emails. Yep. Sounds good to me. I got a buzzword for you, and it is... Are you ready? Mm-hmm. You ready to write this down? Ready. Passion. Now, normally, when we use the word passion, uh, we're talking about a desire, something like that, someone who really cares about something, Uh, being passionate about, you know, people are either passionate about their dog, Sage, or passionate about their cat, Fluffy, uh, this kind of thing. But passion, before it meant that, it, it, in fact, the, the word that, really encapsulates the theological sense, is the word passive. So passion means to suffer, to let things happen to you, to submit yourself to the will of those around you. And that's what the passion of Jesus is about. When we speak of the suffering of Jesus, which begins with his prayer in the garden, ends with his death on the cross, we talk about the the passion of our Lord, and that's why we call it that. So your buzzword is passion. Okay, and my theological buzz phrase for you, <clears throat> excuse me, is vicarious satisfaction. And uh, the vicarious satisfaction means that the wrath of God is satisfied in the death of Jesus in the place of sinners. Uh, so now that 
Um, whereas we would bring about then the wrath of God because of our sin. Um, instead, the wrath of God has been satisfied by Jesus' death on the cross for us, in place of us. So that's the vicarious satisfaction. Nice. All right, ready for some email? Ready. Uh, here's one from Christopher. Christopher from Texas writes, Every church picks a name. However, what's in a name? What is a congregation saying to the community? What statement are they making about other churches? What does the name they choose tell us about their confession? So many questions, Christopher. <laughs> from a marketing standpoint, who are they hoping to... This is another question. Who are they hoping to attract as new members by the name they choose? And finally, finally... Can you judge a church by the name it chooses? Could they be Orthodox and yet have a bad name? Wait a minute. That's another question. Christopher, if you say finally, please end with the... How many questions is in this email? That's why That's why they're writing to questions at tabletalkradio.org. What do you expect? A bunch of <laughs> assertions and statements at the email address questions Wasn't at that answers at calvinism.org or whatever? Uh, Isn't that true. an old joke we used to make? That's true. That, that, that our that our official Calvinist blogger, we haven't heard from him in a while. That was back when we had an official Calvinist uh, blogger. But remember, the average stay for a Table Talk radio listener is about 1.3 shows. So nobody remembers that. <laughs> no. That was way back in the day, the official Calvinist blogger who, who refused to write to our email questions because he only had answers. It's true. <laughs> Christopher's got me hooked, though. I'm really wondering what... Okay, more questions. Uh, Christopher continues... Could they be orthodox and yet have a, quote, bad name? Could they be heterodox and heretical and have a good name? For example, Real Joy Family Fellowship, a real name of a church is seen on one of their vans. Champion Life Center, a spirit-filled church. The Way Church. Hope Lutheran Church, etc. Hmm. <laughs> hey, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, maybe another home edition game. Maybe a kernel of a mediocre idea for an on-air segment. Maybe total hooey and a waste of cyber bits. Media, how do you say this word? Mediocrally yours, Christopher from Texas. Well, I think there's a lot of factors that go into this because, uh, for example, what what year was Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado established? Hope Lutheran is 62 years and one day old today. And how many charter members does she have? Four. Okay, so the the people who were around when they decided the name of Hope Lutheran Church. Um, you know, aren't really. I mean, there's a few left, but there's it's not the same group of people. Yep. So part of it depends on how old the church is, because um, it, it's uh, it, it could be uh, it could receive a name that probably wouldn't be reflective of a of a uh, cross centered, cross focused type of church, and um, then years later they refocus their attention on Christ. So that's possible, right? Uh, it's true. Our friend of the show, uh, Hans Feeney of Lutheran Satire fame, has a theory that you can tell when a church was established by its name, and th- that is, churches that were established before 1945 have names of people. Uh, so uh, Trinity uh, would be one, uh, the chief one, or like St. Peter, St. Paul, Lutheran Church, something like that. Then in the 40, mid-40s to the like mid-60s, they become theological concepts, like faith Lutheran, hope Lutheran, uh, stuff like that. And then starting in the 80s, they become more connected to the geographic location, like hmm. uh, named after the street they're on, Rue des Fontaines. Or the subdivision. Or <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, and I, by the way, I don't think uh, Pastor Feeney has advanced the theory this advanced as I have, and that is if you have an unnecessary E in your name... Like point? Uh, 
pointy or yeah. uh, lakey or way or something like that. If you put an unnecessary E, that's just a way of signaling we're missional. I was talking to someone yesterday. So I, I, I'll even tell you who it was. The en- engineer for our radio station was over. Hey, hey and, that's uh, about to ready to start yeah, we're blasting at 12 watts or whatever, right? <laughs> right. We're getting closer. But so uh, he was setting up some passwords and, oh, I shouldn't say, but okay, I'll just tell you. The word Concord <laughs> is in the password. It's not the only, but it's in the password. Yep. And he asked how to spell it. I thought, well, that's a dumb question. But it wasn't because he had just watched a whole documentary about how uh, the building of the airplane Concord. There was yeah. a big dispute about whether or not to put the E or not in it. So they, they yeah. could these countries could come together to build a plane together, but when it came down to put it, naming the thing, they couldn't agree about whether they could they should put an E on it or not. Well, they should have asked Mission Vision 1962. What would he sorry, say? At Mission Vision. Of course you had an E. You That makes the plane missional. <laughs> now, that's, that's, I think, the other stage. So it's gone from uh, people to theological concepts to geographic. Now it's the mission. So now we have... Yeah. Like our praise, such and such church. Yeah. Um, what about this one? The way, or that's real joy, family fellowship. Yeah, if you have family in the word and fellowship in the word, how about that? So there's real joy, family fellowship is the name of the church. Now there's probably a church called Family Fellowship. Now there's probably a church called the Fellowship, but they weren't friendly enough, so they broke off, and then someone said, "We're going to be Family Fellowship." And they're not happy enough, so they broke off, and they're, we're Joy Family Fellowship. I'm like, well, they're not really happy, so we're <laughs> Real Joy Family Fellowship. <laughs> well, see, uh, I mean, the other, I think the other point is, is whether your theological distinction is disclosed in the name of the church or not. Uh, so, I mean, it was often that, and I think, I, I don't know if this is true, but I think at one point it was... Um, uh, what required or mandated that a uh, Lutheran church in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, must have the name Lutheran in the name. Um, yeah. And so and so you would just be able to have it in your name. Now, I, there's a church down the road uh, from my house, actually, that's um, Hope Presbyterian Church, and on the sign, uh, uh, the letters are in black, except that they've painted over the word Presbyterian. You can still see it because it's kind of etched in the wood, but they're trying to kind of hide that... Uh, that they're Presbyterian. Now, yeah. I think I think that says something when you're saying this is our theological distinction. This is what we believe, and it's right there in our sign. Yeah, that's right. They're gonna, pretty soon there'll be Hope Community Church. There'll be Hope Real Joy Neighborhood Community Fellowship. <laughs> right. The word church becomes too offensive. And, hey, and, I got another email. This is an important one. You, you have seconds. something more about this? Yeah. All right. This is Dear Chairman of the Cult of Pure Doctrine Aurora Chapter. That's me. I've just founded the Facebook chapter of the Cult of Pure Doctrine. Ooh, missional. In keeping with Rule 4, our ridiculous requirement for membership is that all members change their profile picture to a Luther Rose before they are accepted. They can change their picture later. Requirement for initiation, not long-term. God bless Seminarian Jake. That's that's our arch foe, the number one Oh, so Seminarian Jake is show. part of the Cult of Pure Doctrine? He's trying to be. I'm not sure we're in fellowship with the Australians. Oh, well, you need to check that out. And then yeah. Uh, yeah. during this next break, we're going to figure out what we're going to do for some Bible Bee and Table Talk Jeopardy. I know. You, and, know. you should know. And then we're going to talk to Mission Vision. Yeah. All right. I can't wait. We'll be right back. Plugs not included. 
You're on Table Talk Radio. I'm just curious. I know yeah. that we don't have our friend, missionalist, and church consultant on until the fourth segment of the program. But, Pastor yeah. Wolfman, what do you think our mission vision, uh, church consultant specialist extraordinaire would name his church? I don't know. We should ask him that. Okay. We'll, so we'll save on. that. We'll save I'm going to jot that down. What would you name your church? I mean, the, I mean I'm, I'm going to just guess that it wouldn't have the word church in it. Hmm. But let's uh, uh, here. Let me give him some time. We want to know what you'd name your church. Okay. What? What? No. Where is he? Right? Is he like sitting on the couch? At he's here. Yeah, he's in the office. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. He's he's ready to go. He's anxious. I mean, he's over there tweeting. He's a big fan of Twitter. He he was telling me before we started recording that his his interest is you know it used to be Facebook, but that's old now. He ch- he changed his name to at Mission Vision nineteen sixty two, so he would be relevant. He actually doesn't have a real name, only a Twitter handle. Now, what's the 62 in reference he, to? Uh, we'll have to ask him that also. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So. And then, but he's thinking about making the move, you know, upstream, social media upstream. Uh, so he's, he's, he's thinking about trying to develop a presence on Instagram. But his real goal is Pinterest, which is where <laughs> I've been trying to talk you into getting, Evan. We, we need to get some... I mean, if if Mission Vision is going to get his church growth nonsense on the on the Pinterest, then I think that's a place where you, social media hater, could find a home. Because <laughs> right now, people think about Pinterest, and they're like, all I know about Pinterest is like recipes to cook without using heat, and that's that everybody Pinterest has is. a six pack, and how to braid your hair and get a tattoo. But now everyone will think now Pinterest is where I go to learn how to make a, a prom dress out of a tablecloth and to get Orthodox Lutheran theology. Once you get on there, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's assumed. I uh, can't. We, so I'm, as you know, I'm in the, uh, the the wedding planning stages. By the way, how's the uh, yeah? D, how's the DJ playlist coming so far? Well, look, I don't want to be too over prepared. <laughs> well, you are known for that, so. Uh, thank you. Thank <laughs> like you. Like always, I mean, <laughs> thank you for holding back this time. Um, by the way, since since we're looking for a new avenue, for, since we're no longer we're, we're no it. longer utilizing the uh, the hotline. Who wants to date a famous radio host? Um, we're gonna start the new call in. This is which is a uh, this goes to like a switchboard uh, operator standing by to give to the donut the the fund. Of hire a different DJ at Evan's wedding fund, so you can call into the hotline <laughs> and uh, donate to that fund and have a real DJ. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I'm totally against that idea. <laughs> anyway, we could so get Admission the, Vision 1962 to DJ. <laughs> in, in, in the wedding, in the in the wedding planning process, people will ask Mandy. So, have you looked it up on Pinterest yet? As if it's an assumption. If you're planning a wedding, you must already have yeah, it Pinterest. Is, man. <laughs> get with the program. <laughs> Pinterest. I, you need to get on the Pinterest. We need to take over Pinterest. I think we could end church growth movement in the Missouri Synod just using Pinterest. No more hate tweets. No more secret Facebook groups. No more uh, obnoxious reformer quotes on Instagram. Just Pinterest. I'm for that. 
I am a hundred percent for it. Okay. Well, we'll yeah, see if Vision, it takes Vision off. over there is shaking his head too. He likes it. Okay. All right. So uh, let's let's uh, get into this next game. Now I got I have a uh, I have a verse for you. You want one verse, All three right. verses? What what is this? Well, it just depends on how many I need, but a couple, you know, just a phrase, an idea, enough to get the flavor of the thing. Uh, I'll so give I will you, take. I'll watch give, how this goes. I will take penitential psalms for one hundred, please. Okay. Seven. Here's your See answer. How that works? My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, even that, has gone from me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, these are the seven penitential psalms that we're talking about. I know because the category is seven penitential psalms, and those are the following Psalm 6, Psalm 32, Psalm 38, Psalm 51, Psalm 102, Psalm 130. And Psalm 143. Now, it just so happens, I don't know if you knew this, Evan, that Around the Word is publishing weekly Bible studies now on the seven penitential psalms. Nice. No eh? wonder you wanted this for your very own category. Uh-huh. Now, I have not written all of the, the Bible studies, and there's a lot going on, So I'm and I'm forgetful of all this. But if you're interested in downloading these Bible studies, you can visit whatdoesthismean.org. Click on the Bible study button. There they are. Download them for free. Sign up to get them in your email once a week. There you go. Now, the penitential psalms especially are... The rumor was that St. Augustine... Remember him, St. Augustine? Uh, He had them all written out on posters and put around his room as he was dying. So... Hmm. uh, And so they're good for that. They they especially... They make good deathbed uh, posters. They cap the penitential psalms capture the sense of of, of contrition and faith that the, that make up the two parts of repentance, and the, and one of the things that they do is they connect our physical suffering, the physical effect of sin, with the spiritual effect of sin, and that was a little bit of what we got in this verse. So, would you mind reading it one more time, please? Oh yeah, I had to would remember. you mind finding it? One I had more to time, remember please? what I read to you. It's been so long ago since you've been stalling all this time. <laughs> I'm just stalling. I'm teaching. My... Don't you know? Oh yeah, and My... Mission Vision's falling asleep because we're talking about the Bible. <laughs> oh, you heard that, did you? <laughs> my heart throbs, <laughs> my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, even that, has gone from me. So let's talk about the physical effects of sin and the weariness that comes on to our sin. Now, I think that's not as familiar to me a text. I just don't remember where it comes from. So i got to stab in the dark a little bit. So I'm going to say, what is Psalm 6? That is incorrect. Shoot. You were looking for Psalm 38. What is Psalm 38? Mm. That was my second guess. So no points. In Man. fact, a negative one hundred points for Pastor Wolfmuller. I don't. I don't appreciate that. In the red. All okay. Right. What I do you want? I will take. Uh, what is the Passion of Christ for five hundred, please? Okay. I got it here. Uh, this is it. so. I'm going to pull out quotes from the. Uh, that are just in one of the four Gospels. So this will be part of the Passion account of Jesus, but it, this, these particular things are only recorded in one place. So okay. I need to name the Gospel it's written in? Yes, you need to name the Gospel. This is going to be tricky business. 
Okay. Uh, so this is a garden of Gethsemane, and uh, they come to arrest Jesus, and Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear of Malchus, one of the high priest's servants. And, uh, and here's the verse. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Yes, this is uh, this happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, and this is—I think this is where Jesus says, uh, "He who takes up the sword will will die by the sword," or something to that effect, right? Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. Jesus is teaching us that the church is not established by the uh, by the sword, um, but the church has has words, has the very word of God, um, and so the church—and this is the error that the medieval church falls into is thinking that uh you know when the um you know the Turks are invading that the Pope can promise salvation for those who fight against the Turks or something awful like that. Uh that's not what the church does. The church uh the church fights with the word of God and the word of God only. Uh this I think is going to be found in the gospel according to Saint Mark. You are wrong. Minus 100. This is, the answer is Luke. Now, this is an interesting thing. So John Matthew gives us this. Put your sword back in its place. Those who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send more than 12 legion of angels? But how should it be fulfilled, that the, uh, the Scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so? In, Ma, in Luke, Jesus says, no more of this. And he touches you and healed them. And then in John... Uh, put your sword in its sheath, shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given me? So we have to take Matthew, Luke, and John all together to get the fullness of what Jesus said. Now, Mark doesn't actually give us any of it. So, hmm. yeah. Not only were you wrong, you were the most possibly wrong answer <laughs> before. Well, go big or go home. <laughs> yeah, Mission Vision's nodding at that. <laughs> he can retweet that if he wants to. Okay. Here's your next round. I'm I'll take g- penitential psalms for 200, please. Okay, that's what I thought you'd say. Mm. Um, I'm going to give you two verses because I feel so sorry for you. Thank you. Sympathy. For I confess my iniquity. I am full of anxiety because of my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and strong, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. Hmm. Mm, interesting. Now, which one did you do before 38? Before I did 38. What are the odds of you doubling back around? Now, here is you, the the most well-known penitential psalms are Psalms 32, 51 and 130. And you are conveniently not reading from those. How do you know? Cuz I know those best of all. <laughs> I'm hoping you would hit on one of those so I'd sound like I know what I'm talking about. Now, one of the marks though of Psalm 102 is that the the difficulty of the psalmist there, the unknown psalmist in 102, not only has personal difficulties, but he has his enemies surrounding him. And I think this interesting fact is the psalms assume that we have enemies. You can't pray the psalms without having enemies. So I'm going to guess, what is Psalm 102? Uh, Psalm 102 is the guess... Is he right? We'll find out right oh, after this drama. break. <laughs> You're listening oh, to Table Talk Radio. Excellence in Christian journalism. Journalism. We'll be right back <laughs> right after this. Oh.
Table Talk Radio. <laughs> no, that's just silly. And we're back on Table Talk Radio. Before the break, we we're playing the game uh, Bible Bee and Table Talk Jeopardy, in which Pastor Wolfman is trying to guess which penitential psalm the following comes from. I, for I confess my iniquity. I am full of anxiety because of my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and strong, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. And the guess that Pastor Wolfman has posed for us is what is Psalm 102? And that is incorrect. I'm sorry, oh, Pastor Wolfman. man. That is a negative 200 points for you, bringing you to a total of negative 300 points. I shouldn't have told you which ones I know. Uh, that was a strategic true. mistake. You are looking, the correct answer for this one is Psalm 38. Oh, uh, you tricker. <laughs> Oh, so happy with yourself. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you ought to take some time out to pray Psalm 38. <laughs> I know. Psalm 38 is my new Esther. And those who repay evil for good, they oppress me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because I follow what is good. <laughs> I know what it is to have an enemy. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. I'll take uh, Passion text in the Gospels for 500, please. Okay. This is Jesus before the high priest. And he says, I've spoken openly in the world. I've always taught in the synagogues and the temple where all the Jews come together. I've said nothing secretly. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. And when he had said this, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, bear witness to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Uh, good point. Can't argue with the logic, right? All right. Um, have we talked about uh, the fact that these are um, different Gospels, and yet they're recording the same event? And there's differences. You, you I, from at least from what I understood of the rules of this game, that you are reading... Uh, things that are unique to these accounts, which means mm-hmm. that there's differences in these accounts. Mm-hmm. See, well, they're not differences; they're just they, they they have to be they're they're taken together to give the full picture. But not each one of them records everything. Can you then be sure that there are historical accounts and not just men making them up? Yeah. Can you? <laughs> Oh, that wasn't a subjective that was, question. That was a setup. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> really uh, bad radio well, interview <laughs> technique number one. It, Ask yes or no questions to a punk. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I was interviewing a punk. Okay. No, that's for the fourth yep. segment. Um, okay, I'm going to guess Ooh, what is... Um... He's getting mad over there. <laughs> he thinks you're a maintenance minister, by the way. <laughs> Mission Mission does. In fact, I think he has his own little personal mission statement is to convert us. Oh, anyway. interesting. Why else would he come on Table Talk Radio? Why else? Well, yeah, he knows our audience is, has a deep care for the lost. I know. Uh, what is uh, the gospel according to St. Matthew? That answer is wrong. Ah, come on. John, this is the gospel of John. 
It seems like especially John has the notes of the high priest because, remember, John's family was well known to the high priest, and he was paying particular attention to the stuff with the high priest. So that's one of the uh, uniquenesses of that uh, passion account. Hmm. Hmm. Why didn't you Look tell at that. Me? You didn't even know why that. Did, why didn't you tell me that before? <laughs> yeah. Interesting, huh? All right. You want another one? Oh, yeah. I'll take penitential psalms for 300, please. This will get me out of the hole. Okay. Uh, here's one. Uh, that men may tell of the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. You want another verse? Yeah. When the peoples are gathered together and the kingdom to serve the Lord. That also is not one of the main three. By the way, dear so, listener, the most important of the seven penitential psalms are also not being read here. Psalm 32, Psalm 51, Psalm 130, the De Profundis. Uh, so, so oh far, boy. we know that it's not the, the well-known three. Yeah. I don't think you'd do Psalm 138 again. That'd be obnoxious. I think you're going oh, all you the way to the top. Me. <laughs> I think you'll circle back around. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Psalm 143 for that one. That's your final answer. Yeah. What is Psalm 143? <laughs> oh, I almost got you. Almost got you. Uh, incorrect. I'm sorry. Oh, no. This is terrible. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> you were you were you looking for one of us are doing exactly. Exemplary text. <laughs> what was I looking for? Psalm 102 was what you were oh, looking for. Man. So you are now at a negative 600. How did I write a Bible study on Psalm 102 like two days ago? <laughs> what verse? Um, 21 and 22. That men may tell of the name of the Lord in Zion and his praises in Jerusalem when the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. Yeah, that's fantastic. Let's talk about the church. So um, especially this last part of um, this last part of Psalm 102 is quoted in Hebrews, especially when you go down to verse 25. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens of the work of your hands. And Hebrews gives us the insight that those are words spoken by the Father to the Son. So this is one of these beautiful places in the Scripture where we hear the conversation in the Holy Trinity, the Council of Heaven. And so we we know then, uh, when we get to the psalm that's talking about Jesus, and so the beginning, when it talks about Jerusalem and Zion and all of this, we know it's talking then about the Church and the Lord's Kingdom, Old Testament, and then extending on into the New, where we are now. Nice. I'll take uh, the Passion of Christ in the Gospel accounts for 500. Okay. How, oh, you skipped ahead to 500, huh? Did you miss the second one already? You got negative 300 points, right? Losing track. All right, let me flip forward here. <laughs> Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. What? That's the idea. Go ahead. I didn't. I didn't exactly mark them with points, but... All right. Pilate also wrote a title and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. 
The chief priests of the Jews then said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Oh, yeah, I remember this. This was that time that Pilate put a sign over the cross of Jesus that said, uh, King of the Jews, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Now, by the way, I'm going to tell you, oh, no, I'll tell you something after you guess. Oh, no, go ahead. I don't want to no, 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 interrupt. An, uh, interesting, well, okay, here, here's an interesting fact, is that this gospel that I just read to you says Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, which is where we get the uh, uh, I in... R-I, you know the I-N-R-I that we see on the cross sometimes? I and do that's know Latin that. for Jesus of Nazareth, Rex Judaicum, King of the Jews. So that's the uh, the first four letters. Now, uh, three Gospels don't say Jesus of Nazareth, rather Jesus, King of the Jews, or just, uh, one of them says Jesus, King of the Jews, two of them say the King of the Jews. Um, but it's this particular gospel that I read from says Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Aha. Well, that is going to make me think it's in the gospel according to St. Luke. (laughs) Now, you'll remember how before I said that John gives great attention to the priests and the high priests, etc., and you'll notice that this conversation was between the priests and Pilate, Something that John is interested in. Remember how I said oh, that like two on. seconds ago? This is the Gospel of John. Hmm. Hmm. All right. All right, you want another one? Yeah, man. All right. We're here's tied. Your, here's your <laughs> next round. 600. We probably should. <sighs> uh, okay. More. Come on. Give me a decent one. I'll take Penitential Psalms. Give me the one I know. That's what I mean to say. Give me. I'll take Penitential Psalms for 400, please. By your favor, do good to Zion, build the walls of Jerusalem. Didn't you just read that? No. By your what favor, is- do good to Zion, build the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, you didn't give me that as a clue already? No. Why, who's giving clues? Is Mission Vision over there now? No. No, I mean, questions or whatever, answers. By your good... Do good to Jerusalem. This has got to be... I think this is when, in the game, uh, you circle back around to Psalm 138. Psalm one. What is Psalm 138? I'm sorry, that is incorrect, especially because Psalm 138 is not even one of the oh, penitential psalms. Uh, I meant to say 38. <laughs> oh, but it wouldn't have helped dude. you anyway. Let me, read, let me read the next verse. This is just for the fun and games of it, not for points. Okay. Uh, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices and burnt offerings and oh, whole burnt offerings. Oh, then young bulls oh, will be offered on your altar. This is Psalm 1. What is Psalm 1? Wait, wait. 151. <laughs> what is Psalm 51? There it is. Inflating it by 100. I'm this is the sorry. very end of Psalm 51 because it says, Sacrifices and a broken heart you have not desired, or bulls and rams are, are you have not desired, but a, the sacrifice of God is a broken heart. And then once repentance is done, when Jerusalem is rebuilt, David is back into the sacrifices at the temple. Yeah, unfortunately, you didn't pig that on the first try. We'll be right back on more Table Talk Radio with Mission Vision right after this. I'll wake him up. Can't touch this. Look, man. Can't touch this. 
If you're not easily embarrassed, tell your friends about Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. For this segment of the program, we're going to be listening to a friend of Pastor Wolf Miller's. And really, this is a friend of a friend, isn't it? A friend of, uh, of our friend Lumpy. Uh, but Mission Vision 62, welcome to Table Talk Radio. Yeah, it's at Mission Vision 1962, please. Oh, excuse me. Uh, at Mission, so that's how you know it's a Twitter handle. I know you're probably not up on all the social media stuff. But I did change my name. Uh, I won't tell you what my name was before, but I changed it so that I could be that relevant because I love the lost. I used to have a name. Oh, I should tweet this. I used to have a name, but I changed it for the sake of the lost. <laughs> okay. Well, I well, first questions first. You probably weren't listening to the first part of the program. But uh, we had a, a, a question from one of our listeners emailed in at questions at tabletalkradio.org about church names. And I was wondering, at Mission Vision 1962, if you were naming a church, what would you name it? Well, this is a tricky question because the key thing for a church name is that you don't want it to be offensive, and people are very easily offended. So a lot of churches, you know, probably they name them Lutheran. That's totally offensive. A lot of churches have the name have the word church in their name, and that's totally offensive for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, people hate the church, and two, church should mostly be used as a verb. Uh, not as a noun. So it can't have the word Lutheran or anything like that. Denominations are, of course, from the devil. And uh, the word church is also offensive. So you got to come up with a name that that doesn't have those in it. So uh, so I, at first, um, I had uh, the, ch- the church that I was helping, uh, you know, mission, uh, mission cast for. Uh, we called it The Way Place. But we figured the word "the" was too offensive; it was too exclusive. So we call, so we changed it to a way place. And then we wanted to, we it didn't seem to be relational enough, so we called it a way neighborhood place. And and then we realized that we didn't have an extra e in the name, so we put the e at the end of neighborhood. So it was a way neighborhoody place. But then we, instead of calling it a place, that just seems too uh, old-fashioned. We change it to uh, a way neighborhood center, and we drop the e from the neighborhood and added it to center. C e n t e r e. So I think that's the ideal name for a a group of Jesus followers: a way neighborhood center. Okay, now I want to talk to you a little bit about vision casting. I've yes. uh, been following. That's so old school, man. I used to be a hyper missionified vision caster, but I've advanced because visions are so light, anybody can cast them. I'm now a mission caster. In fact, I might be the only one in the world. I'm a mission casting visionator. Oh, well, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, I well, saw that you guys had this. Uh, uh, what is it? What do you have? Some sort of thing? How mis- How big a missionist are you? Yeah, I'm off the charts, man. I'm. I. I you can't even categorize me. Hmm. Hmm. I agree with that. But uh, I was I I've just been following your tweets um you know since an hour ago and I uh, I saw you tweeted on March 12th I do think it's a bit strange that my vision for the church is awfully a lot like what I personally want for the church. Uh, would you talk about that? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I've seen most uh most visionators uh vision casters out there 
Um, they say that they're using the Holy Spirit to cast their visions. The, the trouble is the Holy Spirit works when and where it pleases Him, and so to vision cast based on the Spirit is really unreliable. <laughs> so I take the biblical way, and I vision cast a vision from my own heart, like it says in Jeremiah 23. They see a vision of their own making. <laughs> That's one of my life verses. Ah. Uh, I, I have another life verse, which is from the judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So those are really my two <laughs> most important. Seeing a vision of your own heart and doing what is right in your own eyes, that's what I try to do every day for the church. You might every, try I mean, for the lost. You might also try from Jeremiah saying, the Lord declares. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, no, I don't. That doesn't exactly fit with my visionating. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, I also noticed this on March 9th. If your mission is more than a week old, you have a maintenance ministry and you hate the lost. Did I say that? Yeah. I, if I said it more than a week ago, I don't remember. That's how in the present I am. <laughs> so what did it say? I said that if, you're, if your vision, if your mission, mission is more than a week old, then you have a maintenance ministry. I think that's true. I mean, vision should be changing all the time. I mean, we have to remember the point of the vision and the mission of the church is to get the people to do what you want them to do. And so what you want them to do probably is going to be changing all the time, right? So True. we got to be changing the mission and the vision. I mean, it's certainly not a thing established. You know, the church used to not have... Can you believe this? The church used to not have mission and vision. What did it and, do before that? Uh, well, I don't know. I think they had these things called creeds, these divisive, uh, these divisive things called creeds, where they would get together and believe things, and they would all want to believe the same thing, which is, uh, which is crazy. Because can you imagine me at Mission Vision 1962 going into a church trying to missionificate a church, you know, visionificate it, uh, visionify it, and, and, and hyper-missional it, it, and they had a, a theology— that was uh, the wouldn't same work. wouldn't work for for like a thousand years and they didn't and they and they did not they they had not embraced the virtue of change then it would be impossible for me to do my work so i'm so happy that whatever it is in the 80s the church kind of you know rick warren is a huge help in this because he said um you know love unites and creeds divide uh, i have a feeling he was quoting someone earlier but i don't i don't really go for those old theologians so we have to embrace the culture of change. In fact, we have to embrace the virtue of change. And the, one of the easiest ways to do that is to simply constantly change the church's mission and vision. And then, now, something incredible happens is that when you're always changing the mission and vision of the congregation, then you know exactly what to do every Sunday because you're teaching everyone to memorize and to get on board with the new mission and vision. And you don't have to worry about preparing Bible studies, etc., it's a tip right there for free. Well, I, I certainly believe you, because as you tweeted on March 4th, trust me, hashtag trust me. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. You'll find me at Mission Vision 1962 on the Twitter with the hashtag trust me, because one of the marks of church growth consultants like myself is you just got to trust me. Uh, and if you ask, oh, I have, a, I have a principle here. I even wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. This is my at Mission Vision 1962 principle one which is, anyone resisting your vision is standing in the way of God and should be treated accordingly. 
So uh, this is an important thing if you're going to be a vision ca- casting missionator or a mission casting visionator. You cannot let anyone resist your 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 vision. You cannot even let people question it. Even if they even if they're good-hearted people and they question it, that question, you have to assume it comes from the very bowels of hell itself, and you have to you have to demolish them. So so uh, what what advice would you give a a vision a vision casting missionalist? Um, who's who is has ca- just cast the vision for the church, and then someone comes up and says, "Pastor, uh, I I don't hear you preaching enough about Jesus, uh, Christ, and Him crucified for the forgiveness of all of my sins." What is that pastor to do? Oh yeah, this is standard operating procedure because that happens a lot. I mean, you would not believe how much the Christians like to hear about Jesus in the preaching, <laughs> which I think is ridiculous. I remember that I am at Mission Vision 1962, please. (laughs) (laughs) Soundbite! (laughs) (laughs) Because, obviously, um, the—and I don't even think that we should be preaching anymore. I mean, preaching is Um, (laughs) old-fashioned. We should probably be dialoguing, conversing, um, you know, this sort of thing. We're questioning. It's nice. In fact, I think a good strategy is for the pastor, which I think is an outdated term. We should probably call them vision casters. For the vision caster to stand up in front of the people, uh, not in, behind the pulpit, of course, that's ridiculous, and simply to ask questions, you know, and they don't even have to make sense. They could just be like, <laughs> did you eat seven apples this week, and do you have do you, do you have a list of the people that you're praying for, and do, do you hate the lost, or are you like me? And just ask questions. That's more of a kind of a, a postmodern way of doing what we used to call preaching, and I, I'm for that. Now, people would say, hey, well, aren't you supposed to talk about Jesus and Him crucified? And the easiest way, I mean, there's a there's a strategy for silencing people who want to talk about theology, because they are probably the biggest obstacle to missionificating your church. And so, the, number one is you heap sin on them, and the easiest way to do that is to is to accuse them of hating the lost. So, so, so uh, we'll just try this. I'll you you try to stand in my way by and pretend like you're nice and you care about the gospel and stuff like you know you could pretend if you want to to be like that. Okay, we have so, about a minute here, but um, uh, uh, Pastor, uh, I, I, I'm not sure we should be including the Muslims in communion because they're not of the same uh, faith that we are. You hate the lost and you're standing in the way of God. Oh, well, that was actually you, rather you, effective. Now, yeah, you now, see how that works? Yeah, that that was actually really <laughs> now, effective. <laughs> that, yeah, that's good. Now, if they insist. Uh, then you could silence them by telling them that they're breaking Matthew 18, that they're not talking to you face-to-face. Even if they are, they have to have two or three witnesses, and you, you want to make sure that you're not available whenever they want to come and talk to you. You're, you've got to be doing important stuff for the sake of the lost. Well, so that's going to be a key. Uh, Mission Vision 1962—oh, sorry, at Mission Vision 1962. Thank, you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for coming on the program today. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I got a bunch of tweet questions that we'll have to come on uh, and answer maybe uh, in the show in the future. So, All right, we'll do it. More uh, at Mission Vision 1962 uh, on, on Twitter episodes of Table Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all my church growth advice. <laughs> Wait a minute, did I just say that? <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Hashtag Talk Radio is not for me. everyone. 
Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, air loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. 